This is Fam Electric Ghost, and this is another audio episode of our podcast where we're going to talk about music production again. And we do have our sponsor, Newsly, www.newsly.me. Stop scrolling and start listening. Use coupon code 2021, um, Ghost 2021, and you get free one month premium subscription. Our podcast is on the channel, so check it out. As well, there's tons of other cool podcasts. Again, check out Newsly.me or go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download um, Newsly, and stop scrolling, start listening. Use coupon code GHOST2021. Without further ado, here's the next episode of our sessions on expansive sound and how we create music. So this is Fam Electric Ghost, and what we're doing today is we are a music producer and podcaster, and we are discussing uh, the the kind of controversy in the, in the industry today when you're a producer is whether or not you're in the box or outside of the box, whether you use a digital audio workstation or you use hardware. And I have uh, kind of skirted the line on that because primarily I am a hardware recorder, uh, producer, electronic musician. I use hardware synth keyboards and Euroracks, which are physical synthesizers. I'm a keyboard player, pianist, um, organ player, synthesizer, sound designer. And I like to do original music on these hardware synthesizers that create tones, create timbres. And um, what I find is using a hardware recorder, a multi-track, kind of like an old reel-to-reel, but there are modern versions of these kind of reel-to-reel type of techniques that are created by companies like Tascam and Zoom. And I have many of the Zoom multi-track recorders. I started with an R16 when I created Phantom Electric Ghost, which is my band, which is a one-person band that represents my style of music, which is called expansive sound. And expansive sound is the combination of multiple genres, new wave, punk, rock, uh, fusion, jazz, hip hop, uh, progressive rock. And um, what I like to do is, is to actually take the hardware recorders like an R16, which is a 16 track digital recorder or uh, we had R24, and then lately we're using, uh, for a podcast, we're using an L8 Zoom, which has a really good sound to it. It's far superior than what the R24 had, and we our latest acquisition is a Zoom R20. Now, the R20 is a really cool machine because it has a touch screen, and it takes the technology from the L-series uh, multi-track recorders from Zoom and allows you to take each input that comes into an XLR, which is a type of um, input that usually associated with microphones or higher end machines or a quarter inch input and allows you on each input to record that stem or that track. And that track can get a separate volume, it can get effects or not effects. And so it goes into a, a system that has a 16 track, multi-track recorder that allows you to actually see the stem like you would in a DAW, but it's coming into a hardware recorder in real time. You can split it up, you can change its position, you can clone it. So you can live record your work. 
and then decide, oh, this, this baseline needs to get repeated or this is, these core changes are really the hook. And in real time, you can grab it and you can snap, snip it up or you can actually move it around, which is really fantastic because the previous machines could do it, but you had to really go into menu diving and it wasn't encouraged. What it was encouraged is that we'll go back and re-record it or, or, or splice it later. We're on the new Zoom, kind of gives a nod to the ability of an Ableton Live or any of the modern DAWs, um, you know, so that you could like uh, basically have that freedom. And that's one of the cool things about a DAW. But the other thing about a DAW that's a problem, in my opinion, is the fact that you can keep on trying to make something perfect. And sometimes the imperfections in music, this is the argument why you would want to maybe go DAWless, is sometimes a happy accident or an imperfection or a key change when you didn't expect it. If you're in a DAW, it's going to go and try to tell you to correct it. If you're just doing it kind of free form in a hardware recorder, it's going to let you do whatever you want. And so if you're a musician that has a really good idea of what you want, or you like to do stream of consciousness, kind of jam band, old style recording, and just let the muse take you wherever it's going to take you instead of letting the computer take you where it wants to take you. Where if you think about what I'm trying to say is if you think about like, like a punk band like Who's Could Do doing an album like Zen Arcade. They did it in one, like one or two takes in two days. Uh, and it has that kind of real raw feel. It's an honesty to it. Or you think about, um, you know, a band like the, the Rolling Stones doing Exile on Main Street and Keith Richards' guitar style playing, which is not exactly fully on time. And it actually, there's some really cool aspects to the way he plays guitar. And if you tried to track it into a DAW, it was like, well, these are a lot of timing changes. Well, it's actually part of the character of the song. So sometimes it's like, if you think about free jazz and fusion, you can hear that. If you listen to like Mitch Mitchell from the Jimi Hendrix Experience or a drummer like Keith Moon, who wasn't like a Ringo type drummer that was keeping time or, or a Motown drummer. He actually was soloing pretty much the whole song. And there's something about that that gives a kind of dynamicism that you can do with um, recording hardware synths. And one of the advantages, I use a lot of analog synths that use a lot of uh, controlled voltage technology. And the difference with an analog synth is it has character. Like if you start up a Moog and you have it cold, it behaves differently than if you played 30 minutes later, because 30 minutes later it's warmed up. In addition, you know, some of the oscillators might not exactly be in tune or um, just like where you were yesterday in terms of all your CV patches is not where you are today. And so it gives you this kind of almost like it's a member of the band and it has an opinion and it has its own mind. And you can either try to control that and make it what you think is perfect or accept what the synthesizer is going to give you and then work with it. And so what I've learned over 20 years is I will accept what my modes give me and then run with it. So if I'm playing with it and I get to a happy accident, I said, well, that's kind of cool. I'm going to, I'm going to actually do something with that. And a lot of stuff is like, you know, you understand the ideas of subtractive synthesis or additive synthesis, and then you try to break the rules and you try to do stuff that maybe you shouldn't do and see what happens if you, you know, turn something inside out or reverse it or, 
use uh, an attenuator in a different way than you did before, or use an LFO to drive the beat. What we've been doing lately in our music is using low frequency oscillators to become sequencers to drive um, the rhythm of our analog drum machine. And we have an analog drum machine from Moog called the DFAM, the drummer from another mother. And it's full of limitations. It only has eight steps. It doesn't have MIDI. It doesn't have touch pads. It just has a trigger button and a big uh, interface of controlled voltage patch bays. And so it only can can go eight steps. But if you drive it with an outside sequencer or you drive it with an oscillator or you drive it with a random voltage generator or you take like a Make Noise Maps utility module, which is a really interesting Eurorack module that a lot of people that have Euroracks get the maths module because it's like the, it's a central control unit for your Eurorack. Because what happens when you have a Eurorack and people don't understand what it is, is you can build a custom synthesizer with modules from many different companies. And there's a lot of cases that you can buy. We happen to use an Arturia um, 6U rack group. And what it does is it allows you to basically buy modules you can buy oscillators, you can buy envelopes, you can buy sequencers, you can buy filters, you can buy malts, which are ways to take a signal and then multiply it. You can buy, you know, so we've got in our Eurorack a Moog Mother 32, which is a one oscillator Moog. It has a very sweet sound, it has a really interesting patch bay. And uh, it has the ability to seem like it only has one oscillator, but you can fake it to make it almost sound like it has three. Um, and then we have the drummer from another mother, which again has this limitation of only eight steps, no MIDI, but you can drive it with, like we can take the LFO from a Mother 32 and drive it. We can take the LFO from an Arturia Mini Brute 2S and drive it. We can take an LFO from a System 1M which is a digital synth from Roland that actually has CV. And so then, because you can take all these different inputs, or you can take a sample and hold circuit from a, a, a Moog grandmother and drive it. And what that does is then creates randomization in the rhythm that allows you to have almost like a, a human factor in terms of the sound is now not just eight beats repeating the same thing over and over in an industrial way, but there's a randomization to it. And the other thing with the DFAM that what we've done is actually manually play it and hard and record it in real time into the R20 from Zoom. And then you can kind of bounce around doing um, different, different approaches like using the low pass filter or the high pass filter engaging one oscillator or both oscillators or uh, playing with the LFO, playing with the pulse wave, uh, pulse with uh, modulation as you play. And so one thing about a lot of these analog synths that have all these controls is kind of like an organ player, you can actually play the filter or play the controls as you record. And that's another thing that on a DAW, you could sit there and do that, but you're more encouraged to do it on a, on a synth like a Moog or the new Juno X, or or you know any any kind of Eurorack that has all these inputs and all these controls allows you to use the controls as part of the music creation. And I think that is the key to what we do with our expansive sound is we're able to create kind of point in time sound paintings 
that we record to these R20s or these different hardware recorders. And they said, well, how could you ever replicate that? Well, what we do is because we have the master going into this hardware recorder and we've got up to 16 tracks, we can go, if we have to play live, we can play our song exactly as we recorded it, kind of like somebody using a DAW and that we have the, the original tracks and then we can just unmute like the vocal and unmute the bass line and actually play that live or unmute the lead and play that live. And so that's been our technique is when we go live, we do that. And then on top of that, uh, we could decide, well, the drum we're going to do live with our BeatStep Pro. And our drum solution for our music is, is we use a JDXI from Roland, which is a digital analog hybrid synth, but it has a bunch of drum machines from Roland built in. Now, the problem with the JDXI is it pattern system is only limited to like four parts. So you can't get like a full song out of it. But if you extend it with a sequencer like the BeatStep Pro, then you can create chain patterns that basically approximate songs. And we've got the BeatStep Pro with multiple projects with these chain patterns that we can operate. So I could have a project on my BeatStep Pro that was actually track one or two on the, the Zoom R20. When I go to play live, I can either choose to use what's on the R20 or go back and actually run the project live. Now running a project live allows me to actually you know, introduce solos because on the BeatStep Pro, there's a button where you can actually run solos. There's a roller button where you can make it do rolls and you can get it to do all kinds of interesting fills live. And then in addition, you could jump from project to project and there's the latency on the BeatStep Pro is hardly anything. So compared to other things, like unless you're running like an 808, but even then, like if you've got a project and you got bounced to another project, it might take a little bit to load. What I find on the BeatStep Pro is it loads immediately. And since 2016, we've been using the BeatStep Pro as our primary drum machine just because we can get it to bounce around. And if our songs are in the same, uh, you know, timing uh, and, and rhythm, we can bounce between multiple projects and kind of be seamless. And it's been uh, a, a very interesting effort. And on top of that, we've introduced, uh, you know, the DFAM is a lot heavy in, in our, our live performance. And also the Teenage Engineering OPZ, because we've got an MX-1 performance mixer that actually has an eighth of an inch line. So we can bring the OPZ into our performance and actually take a rhythm from the OPZ and then run it through the MX-1 and get it into the Zoom. And what we like to do is we like to do live performance as a driver for our creativity because of the idea of sound paintings, which Hendrix talked about uh, when people asked about Electric Lady and George Barton also talked about with the Beatles. So when it's kind of an expressionist point of view when you write a song, that you have all these layers that you can do in the studio, you can do with all these multi-track devices that are not exactly what you would sound like if you just try to play a song with your human capability of what you could actually do in real time. Because you can have layers, because you can do effects, because you could introduce samples, because you could play with all these analog synths and, and play with the signals. You can do things that add to the song by throwing in, you know, all kinds of like uh, different palettes or different colors to the song. And that's part of the whole idea 
is that sometimes the studio work is not exactly what you could do live. But also the fact that when you play live and you are writing a song session live, like we do through our StreamYard podcast, is we interview musicians, but we also play our own music. And when we play our own music, we do these like half hour to hour long rehearsals that end up driving us to create songs. And sometimes, you know, we come up with a really good song, maybe 20 minutes into a 40 minute set that we finally groove and got it. We go back, we recorded it and we pulled it out. We go and we work on it further and, and we kind of use it to drive the creation. And if you think about it, there's bands like The Who that a lot of uh, Who's Next or Lifehouse was recorded live at, at a venue. And then they went and did a bunch of overdubs. I mean, Purple Rain, the song itself was recorded live and then there was a bunch of overdubs done. And it's a really cool technique to record live and then overdub something because they capture something really honestly. Um, what what the intention is of the artist is it's a totally uh, interesting uh, thing to do because it, it it just what it stops you from doing the DAW thing that I was kind of complaining about is if you're in a DAW you spend all your time trying to make something perfect try to make a vocals perfect try to make the bass line perfect and then you kind of get antiseptic music. And I think the whole point of, of music, if you go back and listen to a lot of great albums from the 60s and the 50s and the 70s and 80s and 90s, all these different eras, you'll find that one of the core things that makes a song great, and songwriters will admit it, is like the happy accidents and the mistakes. And if you spend your whole time trying to edit out the mistakes, you take all the character and heart out of it. It's like the argument is like if you did a vocal on take three, and you actually have an error, where you coughed, or you coughed, or you you kind of slurred something, or you, but if that performance is better than take fifty-five or eighty-eight, I would argue you take you, you go with that performance and you you let you let the mistake be there, because it's more honest than what you try to do if you try to make it perfect, and I think that that that's something that's hard to convince people when they can make something perfect that maybe the imperfect vocal, like like maybe the voice memo vocal, actually sounds better than the highly produced vocal on a $10,000 mic, uh, that, that maybe that has more character. It's kind of like if you think about the kinks when they, they really got me, they used a broken amp to create that sound. And you know, like, well, why would you use that? Because it had a unique sound that makes that song. If you went and fixed the amp, it wouldn't sound you would technically be, oh, the amp's fixed, so that's better. And that's not necessarily true. There's there's situations where the imperfection in the art actually makes the art. And that is something I think you learn with time. And I think, um, you know, you could use a DAW and, and include imperfections if you have the ability to, you know, control the, um, the quantize on your DAW. Um, one of the things we like to do in a nod to modern production is we got an Akai Force. And what we liked about the Akai Force is it introduced us into clip-based work. And if we had to perform live and we didn't want to lug all of our mobs, then we could just bring the Akai Force and maybe a grandmother and maybe our JD08 and our, our L8 mixer and have a smaller footprint that we could bring in a road case that we could fit on an airplane and just lug it around ourselves. And that would give us 
uh, an edge because the cool thing about the Akai is that you, it has a lot of I.O. interface. And you can bring in, like we brought in a Moog Mother 30 uh, grandmother. Right now we're using the JD08 Boutique. And we bring it into a channel and you can either play the keys or you can actually use the keypad. And you can build a song using the composer mode, uh, arranger mode. And what's great is that it, you can actually introduce a lot of stream of consciousness type of recording into it. Well, what we've done is for vocals, we found that it doesn't do what we want it to do. It doesn't act like a four track recorder. One update to it I would really like is for it to actually have like a four, a, a multi-track recorder capability for the vocals. So you could directly do a vocal and bring it in. I know you can do it as a sample, but it's not the same as bringing it in like an instrument. If you could actually bring the vocal in as an instrument, that would be very usable. Um, what we do to get around that is we put everything down but the vocal into the force and then use a Zoom L8 to record the vocal. So that what we do is we dump the whole, all the tracks into the Zoom L8 as like a stereo track after we got it mixed because you can mix it within the Akai and get the levels right. Then open up a track to use our uh, 512 audio microphone uh, into the L8 and overdub it in. And we've done a bunch of songs that way, and it's an alternative method to what we do with the Zoom R20. So we're using the Zoom L8, which we're using to record this podcast, with an Akai Force, with either adding an instrument like the JD-08 or adding an instrument like the Grandmother. One thing we're looking at getting is the brand new Moog um, that can do wave table folding and uh, can do uh, not just subtractive synthesis, but additive synthesis. And I keep on forgetting the name of that machine. Uh, it's a, a really interesting machine. It just came out and I, I'm just forgetting the name of it, but I think I'll, I'll remember later. But it's like a $300 kit uh, and it looks really interesting uh, because it can wave fold and that's something modes don't do. And it can do kind of additive booklet like synthesis, which is not subtractive and it's different. So. The, the Force is the perfect machine to integrate that into because uh, this thing doesn't have MIDI, but the Force actually has a CV input. So you can bring in a track that's specifically CV. And we really haven't used the CV as much as MIDI. And we think that, that this uh, mode kit would be a good candidate for doing that. And uh, let me try to look up again what the name of that kit is. I think it's the Mavis. Yeah, it's the Mavis. And so one of the two synths that we really want to bring into our stable is the Mavis, and we want to get the Juno X. Because we've read a lot about the new role in Juno X, and the, the biggest thing on a synth, what we've been talking about before, is to, is, to us is the interface. And uh, Roland was very brilliant with their Juno series synth. Uh, when the Juno 60 and, you know, and the 106 came out, the thing that made it, Great. It's kind of like the way the ARP 2600 taught people how to do analog synthesis. The Juno 106 taught people how to do polyphonic analog synthesis because it has sliders instead of dials. Now, I love my grandmother with all of its dials, but the thing that is a human being, if you have sliders, you can see positions and you can remember certain positions represent certain songs. 
And really, if you're going to be, human beings are so visual, that the slider positions, because they're very distinctive, really help you do sound design with subtractive synthesis. Because then you can say, well, okay, once you get a kind of memory to what those positions represent, then you can kind of use them like a draw bar organ for your sound design. And so the Juno interface is really fantastic for that capability. And I love Moog and, and I love Profit, but they've always gone with the dials and it's a lot harder. Not that you can't do it and I do it every day with my grandmother and all my Moogs, but it is a lot more user-friendly to have the sliders and it's a lot faster to get a sound on a Juno. 106 or 60 and now the Juno X has brought that back and so in that way it's somewhat superior than what the Jupiter X does because even though the Jupiter X is like replicating like this great scent that had this awesome capability the Juno was actually used maybe more Uh, and it's just more accessible and because it's got you know the new sound engine from Roland in it it can pretty much do anything you want it to do. And it's got this Juno focus on the sound design, but it can bring in a Jupiter, right? I confirm that. And it can actually, you know, bring in SH-101. It can bring in all these models. It's got the XV-80. Um, so it's got the, you know, it's got a virtual piano in it. And the only thing is the sequencer on it is a little kind of hard to use, uh, or maybe it's not as, um, as clear as something like you get on Arturia. It's uh, it's not exactly what you see on a Phantom. So Phantom might be better, but the interface for the sound design is better. So it's kind of like, I love the original Phantom. I think it's a fantastic thing. It's got an analog filter. The only thing is the controls on it aren't as good as what you see on even a JD-08 or what you see on the Juno X. And so it's kind of like, because of the sound design, I'm kind of partial to the structure of a Juno 106 with all the sliders helping you design. So now we're just going to take, uh, we're going to have to take a break because we've got, we've got some other things to do today. But we are very into doing these podcasts. We think it's interesting. we like to get more musicians to be on this platform. We know this platform has got a lot of other kind of new age stuff on it. But musicians, uh, we think it's cool to... Um, to talk our craft and sound design. And we hope that we get some more uh, artists to come on here uh, to talk about, you know, whether you're, you're a musician, a producer, or whether you're even like an, uh, an actor or a model or an influencer. This type of uh, talk is also cool. So we like really be into that. So we'll talk to you all later. Thank you very much for listening to Phantom Electric Ghost. And check out our podcast on YouTube. Spotify, video podcasting, Twitter, and Twitch. It's Phantom Electric Ghost. We interview indie artists. Also, um, you need to check out newsly.me so you can do, um, what you can do is you can listen to the news instead of scrolling, you start listening. So use coupon code GHOST2021 to get one month premium free subscription. Also check out Double Jack Online and Double Jack Online is a philanthropic online lottery you become an influencer and get side income from them so go to www.doublejack.online and check it out thank you very much so that was our podcast for today uh, previously aired live on wisdom 
And now we're going to be uh, publish it on all of our other platforms through our partner, Anchor FM. We also want to encourage people to, again, um, support all the artists they love on Spotify and SoundCloud by hitting the COVID support button and give five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars to any artist that you dig, like the same way you would give money to a YouTuber like Dashi, who is really fantastic. But you know, musicians also need that kind of lift. And also remember, if you're listening to a musician on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button for that musician. If you're on any of the um, streaming services, make sure you favorite, make sure you playlist, make sure you download. Uh, that is just important. So again, please do that for us and any other artists that you check out. And if you're a musician, artist, producer, uh, somebody that's uh, actually an influencer, uh, model, actor, please get in touch with us. Um, through our social media, you can go on our Instagram, Family Like the Ghost, do a direct message, and we do do um, our live interviews for free. We just ask people to subscribe to our YouTube as a cost for that, and also, you know, check out our music and subscribe to that. And if you're into it, you know, hit the hit, hit the button on the COVID support, and uh, you can do that as well. Thank you very much. This is Family Like the Ghost. We'll talk to you later. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. This is Josephine Electric, the lead singer of Phantom Electric Ghost. And so Newsly, it picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them back to you in a natural human voice. So for the first time in history on the net, the web becomes listenable. Uh, so they have, um, you can browse articles and topics and choose what you want to have start playing stop scrolling start listening they also have podcasts as well as you can explore trending podcasts from 40 countries our podcast the fam electric ghost show with uh, phantom is over here too on newsly so download the newsly app for free now uh, at www.newsly N-E-W-S-L-Y dot M-E. So that's www dot N-E-W-S-L-Y dot M-E. And um, use that link in a, on the podcast and you use promo code GHOST2021. That's GHOST2021 and receive one free month premium subscription. And as, uh, when you're at it, listen to the Anchor podcast on uh, Phantom Electric Ghost, where we interview independent artists from around the world, and um, you get to get a window behind the music of independent artists that you might not normally listen to. Thank you very much, and thank you for listening to Phantom Electric Ghost and Josephine Electric.